Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, when a beer goes unpunished, the world is unbalanced. When it's left unattended to warm, the heavens look down on us in shame. We too must chug for this circle of vengeance to be closed. We will leave this record of our courage so the world will know who we were and what we did. Tonight, we will regain our honor and avenge our craft beers. None of us knows how long he shall live or when his time will come, but soon all that will be left of our brief lives is the pride our children feel when they toast to our names. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 171st episode of Hops and Box Office Slops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight we continue our look at star-driven disasters with an all-time box office flop, the Keanu Reeves-led 47 Ronin. Yeah, oof. Yeah, big, big miss here from Mio. Big Yes, yeah, he was not the one. Actually, technically he's the one in this too. And I think I think kind of and this did this come out after the third Matrix movie? Yes, yeah, quite so, a bit. After, so, yeah. so even at this point, Keanu Reeves's star was a bit tarnished because the first one stellar, second one okay, third one eh, not so great as far as the Matrix just go. And this was kind of his follow up. His like, this was his next big project. Yeah, his time as a. Like, oh, he's like a huge bankable box office it guy. This movie was well past that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as we'll get to, like, the studio didn't really understand what to do with this movie at all. And they're like, well, we need more of him. You know, yep. less of the actual story, more of the, the white guy. More so, of more of the star. We we did the star power factor here. Yeah. Kudos to them for casting all Japanese people for the most part, but in post, sort of a disastrous turn of events. Mm. So seeking samurai justice with me tonight are the original Ronin, Chumzilla. I know Kung Fu. Uh, Captain Gaijin was supposed to be here, but he's too busy twerking it with She-Hulk, apparently. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the Wicked Witch of the Cuyahoga, Mayor McCheese, uh, was stabbed in the head by uh, the, uh, sam- the rogue samurai from the Ten... Tengu Forest, and he is now slumbering, not so peacefully. Go oh, rest in peace. Yeah, Mary Mary Cheese. So, points of order: you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops, and you can find Wabam Entertainment at W O B A M E N T. Forty Seven Ronin is available to stream on HBO Max, uh, or you can rent it for two ninety nine across platforms. I would watch it for free if you can. I don't know if you'll like it. Your mileage will very much vary on whether you like this movie or not it's a weird niche that it tries to to, to sell yeah and when we get into like what the studio wanted versus what the director wanted i mean i don't know who this movie is for and i love samurai i love japanese history i have two woodblock samurai tattooed on me and yeah what they decide to do with this film is just really odd because we'll get into it, but this is very much a Japanese centric production. Like, oh, hundred percent. Minus Keanu Reeves, yeah. this is this is like a legit like Japanese market movie. This is not like a North American market movie. But the studio said, "Hey, let's do it," and then add Keanu Reeves, and then we'll make it a mass appeal samurai flick. And it's not though. And it's yeah. It tries to be some parts The Last Samurai. It tries to be some parts other like very popular fantasy movies that were coming around this time. There's there's definitely some like because we'll get into it, but the source material when they stray from it is very much in the vein of trying to make it a more fantastical movie and more of a spectacle movie and not just like a, a fairy tale 
a, a very basic, not fairy tale, but folk tale type thing. And uh, but yeah, Keanu Reeves' character is shoehorned in. He is not part of the original story. Let's just and you can tell he's there. shoehorned in. Yeah, um, and, and a then, lot like of you his... said in post. Yeah, they add some more. Like clearly, this is just extra Keanu Reeves sprinkled into your movie. And a lot of it, it just doesn't service the movie well, the the newer mm. stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. let's talk anyway. beer. Uh, tonight we're drinking Hitochino Nest White Ale from Kiuchi Brewery, uh, which is brewed with wheat malt and flavored with coriander, orange peel, and nutmeg. Uh, it carries a Captain Cash non-approved 5.5% ABV. I chose it because it's a Japanese beer, and it's also a white ale. And this movie has sort of a little bit of a white savior complex. Not entirely. <laughs> They, they kind of pushed that a bit. Yeah. But hey, uh, T-Dubs, I am very sad to report. I wanted to try this beer because it sounded very interesting. But the closest I could get was Lexington, Kentucky. So, so I didn't make the road trip. So I'm sorry, brother. So I like this beer. It's essentially a Japanese blue moon. Uh, it comes in a very big bottle. Okay. You can buy single bottles of it. And uh, it's good. It's good. It's a high quality Japanese beer. A very well done white ale. I'd give it three bad movies. That's what Excellent. I rate it. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. I wish I could try it. So it does sound very interesting. Uh, Forty seven Ronin was directed by Carl Rinch. Uh, this movie basically ended his career. It started and ended his it started his career, career and ended his career. Now, if you're familiar with Zack Snyder, right? Like I like Zack Snyder. He started off as a commercial director. And that's mm -hmm. apparently where Carl Wrench also got his start. They were a big fan of some things he'd put together and they put him in charge of this $200 million movie and then basically put a bag over his head and kicked the shit out of him and tossed him out of the editing room. Mm -hmm. Which is just so shitty, honestly. I mean, I don't think he's the problem here. No, I think this movie is actually pretty beautiful. I mean... There was a lot of care put into this movie. The costumes are that, fantastic. Yep. The sets they mm -hmm. built are fantastic. It feels like Japan. Uh, no, it's a it's a good looking movie. You see the money on screen. Like the the details in the the dressings for the Shogun versus the Evil Lord. Uh, I, I forget his name, but we're about to Vader. cast Vader yeah. and Darth Lord Asano. Yeah. Like everything is so intentional. <laughs> like it's it's really well done the way they do colors. Yeah. But we'll well, we'll get there in a sec. What's your point there? Just real quick, you know, on the budget, you see most of that on the screen as opposed to say Prince of Persia, where I'm like, where did the money go? Yeah, there's there's one element of this movie, and this is probably shit that was packed in that looks really really bad, and that's the opening where. Uh, Kai, which is Keanu Reeves's character as a child, is running through the woods and it does the really shitty slow-mo stuff. And it's like, yeah. what is this scene exactly? And that's just to make him a much more important character than he probably was in the original <laughs> script. They really had to force that in to make him make sense the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's just supposed to be one of the 47 Ronin. He's not supposed to be this person who carries the emotional weight of the film and has the love interest and has this huge backstory and has this crucial thing that he, you know, without him, they cannot win. He's a MacGuffin essentially. Yeah. 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 He's, he's Tommy tough pants. He's just the, the best fighter for reasons. Yeah. Uh, so it stars Keanu. Whoa. Reeves as Kai Hiroyuki Scorpion Sonata. Welcome back as Oishi. Taranabu. Hogan Asano, you'll recognize him from Thor. You know, he was he was in the first two Thor movies and then just shamelessly murdered in the third one. Pretty much. He's, he's Lord Kira. That's the bad guy. You've got Kerry Hiroyuki, uh, Shang Tsung Tagawa. Of course, you know him. He's welcome back as well. The last time we saw him, he was spinning on a fireworks wheel to his death. And before that, he was in the perfect weapon. That's right. So he is... Uh, you know, he just loves being on the pod. He is Shogun Sunayoshi. You've got co-battle royale Shibasaki as Mika. That's the love interest to Kai. Rinko Makumori Kikuchi as the witch. See, Captain Cash, you should have been here. This is a little shout out to uh, your movie because she was in uh, Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the cast is Japanese. 
Mm -hmm. It's great. And they're all, if you're familiar with Japanese cinema, if you look up their filmographies, they're all active, uh, working Japanese actors. I guess this movie. This was effectively a Japanese production. Yeah. This movie was shot in Japanese and then in English because some of the guys did not speak as good English. So it gave them a better context of what the scene would be. And I think that's pretty cool. Seriously, if Keanu Reeves had not been involved in this project, this would have been a Japanese language film. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, if you're familiar with the story, and this is one of the most famous stories in Japanese history, there was no reason for this to be a $200 million movie. With Keanu Reeves. (laughs) This is a very grounded story that could have been done. But again, we're going to get there in just a sec. This was released Christmas Day 2013. It's unequivocally the biggest disaster of this month's theme uh critics ordered it to commit seppuku slicing it down to a paltry 16 percent on rotten tomatoes with 90 reviews it's got a metacritic of 28 its budget we've said 200 million but it could have been as high with all the reshoots as 225 it grossed just 151.8 million worldwide apparently it did well on home video uh stateside it was a total disaster yeah well i mean i think it's one of those deals it's, it's a genre flick it's like oh hey like who, who wants to get stoned to watch a samurai movie that's that's the thing with keanu reeves too and so yeah. i think it probably did get an audience uh, on video uh but yeah it's just it's a weird it's a weird um it's it's a weird movie to try to release in the states with with uh with basically an all japanese cast and i don't mean that to be disparaging i'm just saying that, that just makes it a tough sell uh, at Christmas time, perhaps as a summer action movie, uh, you punch it up a little bit and market the crap out of it. I don't know, but yeah, as a Christmas movie, I just don't see this making a lot yeah, of. Money I think the Christmas the thing Christmas is, break crowd is like the weirdest thing, and it did it did miserably over the five day period because Christmas was a Wednesday that year and then it just it did terrible and i have a question about that when we get to the quiz this is like releasing the thing in the summer like no yeah it just doesn't really make sense and so here's what i know about this movie we said it's a mess behind the scenes the studio wanted big effects fantasy and the director carl wrench wanted well-grounded drama and realism and that's the story Mm -hmm. and when we get to my recommendation and the, the movies are very comparable because they're about pretty similar things. That's what this story is. It's a historical story. It's a compelling historical story because these guys are essentially going on a suicide mission uh, to do the right thing. And that in itself is, it grabs you as a viewer. Like they're risking their lives because what they're doing, they know to be right. And so we said that the studio then insisted on shoehorning and Kai's love angle. They shot a whole bunch of more scenes with him because he was the big star. Even the original score of the movie, which was finished, was just thrown out. So they rescored the whole movie in post. And the director, as I said, was uh, fired, essentially. And uh, a studio executive at Universal finished the editing of the movie. Yeah, not not that's always that's always kind of a bad sign. Anytime the director gets like forcibly removed from the editing room, not great. Well, it's not a great. it's a very Suicide Squad thing. That's the that's a contemporary example, and and even Justice League is a little bit different because that is a totally different director taking over. But from what I read about Suicide Squad, right, like he 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 had his cut of the movie, the studio had their cut, and they sent it to like. a a screening and they're like which ones do you like better and it's like this is the stupidest way to decide this with a bunch of random people you don't know their tastes and of course they chose what is ostensibly one of the biggest pieces of shit to ever be released so anyway the the script for this was on the blacklist Uh, obviously that's not the version we got here but you know I, i saw that and i always find that to be interesting because we should probably like put a little like tracker on this, but that's been the case with several movies that have showed up on this pod. Yeah. The scripts have been on the blacklist, and then there's butchered uh, at some point through the production. I mean, studio meddling or whatever. Yeah. Gangster Squad was on the blacklist. Mm-hmm. Was the was the Bruce Willis movie where he's the the river cop on the blacklist? 
striking distance. Yeah. I don't know, but there's, there's there's been a couple of them. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm not. You know, I'm just saying it's just interesting. These some of these scripts are like highly regarded in Hollywood, and it's turned into big stinkers. It's it's just because I, as as the execs get involved and the money gets involved, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, well, to your, to your point, that's that's probably one of the things that killed this movie because uh, it's a grounded, like street level Japanese uh, folk tale. It's not big budget. It doesn't have fantasy elements, and it certainly doesn't have a white guy. So they spent a lot of money to add things to this movie that don't really add to the core story which is famous and which is considered to be a classic. I think my, this is just my theorizing. I think they really undersold what the audience could appreciate. And they're like, no, no, no. American audiences can't handle this, this really compelling historical story. We have to put all this ridiculous shit in it. Cause that's what they like. Mm. Well, they're like, you know, gotta get that Lord of the Rings money, you know? I, I, you got to give me some like cave trolls and a giant maybe a dragon or two. And I, I mean, I, I get the Lord of the Rings, but by the time this came out, the the Hobbit movies were not as popular as the Lord of the Rings movies for good reason. Cause they're not uh, nearly as good. And they're not nearly as good as bad taste either for the record. That's probably Peter Jackson's greatest film achievement, but still, yeah, you know, cause this is a very interesting story. It's a very heartfelt story. So from what I read, basically, like you said, the director, wanted this to be more like gladiator he wanted this to be more like an emotionally driven historic movie with some action elements but he still wanted to have like you know heart to it you know gladiator brave heart whatever it's one of those kind of movies but the studio is like yeah no we need some giants and some big vfx stuff we got you know we need some we gotta up the wow factor we gotta sell the sizzle and you from know? the jump none of that stuff makes sense because not, everything not around in the context it, of the source material, yeah. no. Everything around it looks so traditional and so good. And then it's like, oh, and here's this random beast with 12 eyes. It's like, wh- where did he come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. uh, fun, fun fact one of the uh, uncredited producers on this film was John Peters. So oh, that, yeah, that, that, would ex- that, would ex- that would explain some things. There's a spider in it. So that, that makes sense. Uh huh. Uh, you see, yeah. Uh, so, how would you describe this movie in one sentence, Trumpzilla? Oh, uh, that's uh, okay. Um, Neo stars in a big budget Japanese fantasy soap opera. Okay. Yeah. Mine is Lord of the Katanas: The Fellowship of the Ronin. That that also works. Yeah. Yeah. The actual IMDb description is: A band of samurai sets out to avenge the death and dishonor of their master at the hands of a ruthless shogun. Not exactly true because it's not the shogun um, nope. that they are trying to murder. It's Lord Kira, who is a unscrupulous, uh, ambitious lord that wants to take over the land of Lord Asano. Yeah, and that's not even really the 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 the, the uh, main thread of the source material either because. I mean, are you going to get into it later? Because I feel like it's important to understand. This is like legit. 47 Ronin is a historical Japanese, um, I, I'm not sure you would call it like folklore. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for the right term here. But it is, well, it's a, it, it's it, a Japanese it, legend. It's a true. It's a true story, though. Effectively, yes, uh, yeah. I, I believe. I believe something like this actually happened. And it's um, been told throughout japan's history in the 17 several film adaptations plays yeah this is part of japanese culture i'm trying to think is there there a u.s analog that we could do this this is like this is like uh you know george washington uh and wooden teeth or uh abraham lincoln uh you know uh walking the change back uh or or george washington cutting down the uh, cherry tree kind of stuff like this is like a story that's been told and told over again. There's probably a grain of truth in there. Maybe some has been fictionalized over the years, but, but you know, effectively, th- these people existed. There's historical, you know, documents. It's, uh, it's like Teddy Roosevelt, the Rough Riders, right? Like, yeah, there we go. That's that's it. Yeah. So you know, you read like obviously this is a real band of people. Um, when we f- we're going to go through the plot, when we get to the end, we'll kind of explain what the actual story was. But sure. The movie starts off with Kai, a young orphan boy who's found running through the woods by Lord Asano and his men. Would, he would, is, you, would, would you call him a street rat? 
it, this is very it, it evokes uh prince of persia <laughs> quite a bit so, although, sorry sorry yeah so Kai doesn't become a prince, though. He's more of a servant. And he's not allowed to be a samurai because of his mixed ethnicity. Anyway, flash forward several which, years. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the context yeah. of the time period. But don't ask questions. Uh, he's Lord, a half-breed. Let's keep going. Lord Asano presides over Akko. Uh, there's some romance nonsense between Kai and Mika. It's a forbidden love. But the real story is Asano hosting Lord Kira and the Shogun for some ceremonial stuff. Kira wants to rule Akko, so he's been trying to murder Asano. So first he tries in the woods with this, this beast that Kai actually kills, saving a samurai, who then like, I'd rather die than be saved by you. There's a lot of that, and there's a nice moment with them later. But So when that fails, he decides to have the witch poison Lord Asano, prompting him to attack Kira in a delusional rage. The shame this brings... The- leaves the Shogun no other option than for Asano to take his own life. He must commit seppuku, leaving all of his men masterless samurai or ronin. Hence the name. Yeah, so ronin means like uh, 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 men of the wave. Yeah, wandering, yeah. They're basically they're cast to the seas to go with the waves. They, they are without a master. They're, they're wave men. And they are explicitly told by the shogun that you cannot offend your lord if you go after kira you will have to also commit suicide you will be put to death um kai he's sold into slavery and then we flash forward again because oishi lord asano's top man has been living in a pit he comes out he's ready for revenge because he was sent to the pit to think about his bad behavior (laughs) you will feel shame (laughs) We we merely adapted the darkness. He was born. yeah. He was gonna. He had to break his spirit. So he wants to stop Kira from marrying Mika. If Kira marries Mika, he then becomes Lord of Akko. He goes to save Kai from the slave pirates. Yes, the dude on the poster with all the tattoos. He's in this film for like ten seconds, literally. Mm-hmm. Also, those are all real tattoos. Uh, he was apparently this guy called Zombie Boy, and he died in 2018 ah. when he fell off his balcony. That's not a joke. <laughs> That's uh yeah, rip zombie boy. Yeah, R.I.P. Zombie Boy. Uh I why is he on the poster? Like what uh, the fuck? And, and, and yeah, no, and why is uh yeah, Keanu Reeves' character in this movie in general leads to a lot of those kinds of questions. O- Oishi, Hiroyuki Sonata's not on the poster, but this zombie pirate is on the poster. Mm-hmm. Like what is what is the marketing of this film? uh whatever looks cool yeah i mean the guy does look pretty cool but uh again anyway the 47 ronin come back together to avenge lord asano first they head to the tengu forest because they need swords this is a big oh kai grew up in this forest and there's all this theorizing that he was a demon turns out he kind of is a demon uh but he gets them the swords uh to do so they must pass a trial this is very ghost army scene from return of the king Mm -hmm. hey you have to go in there alone and uh, don't do something stupid or you'll die. And then all your men will die. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. worry, he doesn't do something stupid. So mm-hmm. they then sneak into Kira's... Because has to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They then sneak into Kira's wedding festivities with a kabuki troop as the others climb the side of the fortress. And then they proceed to just wreck Kira and his band of asshole shit. Kai, uh, as I said, he actually is sort of a demon, fights the witch as you know using his demon tricks and stabs her dragon form in the head which is pretty righteous i must say pretty gnarly oishi cuts off kira's head holds it above all the other people and the 47 ronin win the day of course because the shogun ordered them not to seek revenge all the ronin must now commit seppuku just as their master did and that is the end of the film now before we get to our beer ratings that is essentially the story, but really in, in the historical lore, Lord Asano hosted another Lord, Kira, and the Shogun. And because Lord Asano was a younger Lord and not as familiar in the ways of uh, basically Jap- Japanese polite society, he was being uh, ribbed pretty heavily by this Lord Kira to the point where he actually ends up taking a swing at him. And because he tried to assault someone mm-hmm. um, in his domain. It was more and more senior. Yeah. 
yeah, that was a great disgrace. Uh, that is why he was put to death. And by all accounts, this Kira guy, just like he is in the movie, was kind of an asshole. So the Ronin decide we will go after him, and they did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the way I understand is, yeah, effectively, you know, yes, he took a swing at the uh, the other guy, but, you know, the guy, other guy said some choice words, so he sort of deserved it, maybe. So the dude's men said, screw that, like, we're getting our bosses back, even if it costs us everything. They remain loyal uh, to their master, even after he uh, commits ritual suicide, and then, uh, and there's, and there's 47 of them. And that's that's the thing. It's all I think that's like the key element of the story is that all forty-seven stayed true, and they went back and wrecked that guy's shop, knowing full well that it would result in them also having to take their own lives. But they were willing to do so because they felt righteous in doing it. And it was that they they were staying true to the cause, and that's kind of the moral of the story. That's why it's resonated in Japanese uh, you know folklore and, and, and uh, culture. And it, it it was the way of the samurai and. You know, even mm. when they, they were noble men, they were noble men, true to a cause and righteous up until the end. Yeah, even even as the age of the samurai died down and the, and the shogunate period ended, and they started to move away from that, World War II really brought all that stuff back. And that, like, you know, we will fight till the bitter end, and, and we will die with honor. That's a big thing in Japanese culture, and that's yeah. why that story has lived on. And yeah, certainly it's a fairly straightforward story, but it's also a very compelling story because these guys fought for what they thought was right. And that's all you really need from this movie. And a lot of the best parts of this movie are, are that I don't really mind the Mm -hmm. mystical stuff because there's just tons of great samurai movies you can watch. And I think this movie takes a big swing and it mostly whiffs, but I still like it. So yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to say beers that are required, I'd give you one pain beer. I'd give you two to three enjoyment beers. I think the movie's beautiful. I love the costumes. Some of the CGI is really cool too. I think the dragon looks pretty rad. Uh, the like sort of ogreish thing that Keanu Reeves fights and the uh, pirate slave ship is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I just it, it just none of it was giant, necessary. The giant samurai guy is pretty pretty. He's cool. pretty rad. Like I think if you're gonna have like a couple of mystical things, cool. And he yeah. could be one of them. The goal of yeah, I get yeah. that, but there's just so much of it. It just the, it makes the movie feel pretty empty, well, and and the movie doesn't do a good job of setting it up either. So no, I mean, it very yeah. it very feels just, it feels just like here's generic CGI creature effect. It's not like the narrative drives like oh god, it's the the golem. It's this. It's just like okay, and now there's a dragon, and yeah, because and, even in the beginning of the movie where they're out hunting this beast they're doing it as a gift for the shogun and they're like oh that we got that beast here to kill lord asano it's like but they were already hunting it i don't really understand uh, uh, it was, yeah i mean there's uh, as far as beers go i'll give this a solid four beers um because it's it's very much a soap opera which is not the most exciting thing i think that's probably part of that friction between the studio and the director like I know he wanted to make more like of an art house, like samurai flick, and the studio wanted to have this fantastical like fantasy film. Um, and it doesn't really jive. It ends up like being like, okay, you basically have like long, drawn out like melodrama portions with interspersed like fantasy fights. It doesn't really tie together well, and that's probably goes back to the editing issues that it had. So like, yeah, I just had a hard time getting into it, but. Again, no question where the money went. Uh, you see it on the screen, and the costumes do look fantastic. This is a really interesting looking movie. I just, I just couldn't get into it. So four beers. See, I think I do get why they wanted to up the mass market appeal because Last Samurai made four hundred fifty-six point eight million dollars, but that movie is also grounded in realism. It is. It's it's more. It's a it's a war movie, effectively. That movie it's not, it's is not a, it's not a, a war it's not movie, a fantasy yeah. movie. Yeah, it's a war movie. Yeah. That movie feels very much like say Gettysburg. Platoon. Yep. It's uh, like Tom Cruise's platoon. Wait, no, that was born on the fourth of July. But whatever. Yeah. But you know, the the <laughs> the old dying ways and the outgunned but honorable guys fighting for their, 
you know, way of life. That's a story that tells itself and you don't need mystical shit to. Yeah. Well, to your point, it, it sticks to that war movie formula, you know, you don't, right. you don't have, you don't have any magic cannons showing up. No. So let's take our first break. We're going to hear from our brothers in beer over at Hop Nation USA, our brothers in beer and uh, Japanese witchcraft, because they have also poisoned a few lords in their day as we have. And when we come allegedly. back, to, yeah, allegedly, allegedly, we've got some lingering questions about 2013's 47 Ronin. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 171st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are talking 2013's 47 Ronin, the Christmas season (laughs) blockbuster that wasn't this is um, basically just like home alone four yes home alone 47 there we go that's it uh is this movie as bad as critics thought it was uh, it's not it's not great it's not super like engaging so i don't think the critics were wrong to kind of to bash on it uh, i'd never seen it before this is my first viewing but again i had a hard time getting into it so i'm like yeah no i can see why this was a miss this movie i think suffers from the absolute death blow that is bad press when there's Mm. all this trouble behind the scenes critics like literally have their reviews written before the movie comes out well and i'll be honest back to the poster right with zombie boy on it yes and and not knowing because again i'm an ugly american not knowing the backstory here that there's actually you know japanese folklore involved here I'm like, I just expected a kick-ass uh, samurai movie starring the guy from The Matrix doing, like, samurai stuff. And you get some of that, but there's also a lot of, like, soap opera stuff that just doesn't resonate with the North American audience. And I, not to say that it's not an interesting story, but the way this movie handles it, it's just kind of like, I'm confused. We're, bring back the giant guy, and where's the cave troll? Yeah, they just you know? kind of appear. They're just yeah. they're just there, and and, and as a as a stupid American audience member, you're like, okay, well, that's the fun part. So what? Why are we doing all those talking and why are we poisoning people? And I don't the political stuff. It's lost on you if it doesn't. There's an element to it that makes more sense if you're familiar with the source material, which I'm going to assume most of the audience and the critics were not. This movie, only, I was shocked it only got 90 reviews, um, because I mean, what we just did, Prince of Persia, and that had several hundred reviews. Well, well, here's the funny thing about this movie. I, when I was researching it ever so slightly, the studio was extremely concerned when it did not screen well in Japan. So what, let's be clear here. This was not like a movie that was well-received back home where the target audience, or actually where the general audience would have been very familiar with the source material. That It, it didn't fare well in Japan either. So it did not resonate with the local audience so i i guess it oh, shouldn't shock, be a huge shocking. surprise yeah japan well, it, not not uh super pro let's change one of your great legends into something totally unrecognizable yeah yeah, yeah and just cram in some weird uh american actor that does not exist in the original story but yeah so i think at that point the studio realized that they may have made a mistake because the japanese audiences were like yeah no nah. i can't believe they ever even assumed that the Japanese audience would enjoy this. Well, I thought it was just really interesting that they went as far as to release this in Japan first. Like that was the first market they released it in. I'm like, really? Because you thought they were going to love uh, dances with Keanu? Okay, whatever. So this movie was originally done in Japan during World War II, and it was never released in the States because of Pearl Harbor. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't released here until the 70s, but that movie was deemed to be like so important uh, in Japan that it was a two-part movie and when the first part um, was I think people thought it was a little too dour they're like no no this story is so important the second part must be released and uh, that was like the most famous um, film version of it and this was obviously the United 
you know America's first crack at 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 this story and uh, yeah, adapting this this uh, tale. And, and and just to be clear here, I mean this is this is very much a part of Japanese uh, storytelling culture. Uh, it's been there's been several film adaptations of this. Um, it's also been a uh, a play. Uh, in several formats as well. I mean, this is a, a well-known story within Japanese folklore. Yeah. So essentially, if you if you screw around with it, people aren't going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not that America hasn't stolen Japanese stories before and then Americanized them. Uh, uh, the Magnificent Seven, for example, Seven Samurai, uh, Godzilla '99. Yeah, Godzilla, of course, coming over to America. All that stuff. So. That's a thing, uh, but you know, like the Godzilla example is another egregious example of taking something that is fairly, you know, treasured Japanese uh, creation and making it totally unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Godzilla in name only that movie, and this sort of is too. Yeah, well, you uh, know what? Take that, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. So, favorite fight scene or action scene from this movie? I hate to say it, but. The coolest one, in my opinion, was definitely the, the dragon fight at the end. Yeah, there's um, some cool stuff in there that I... I even though I it's like. super tacked on and it's like, whatever, but it actually was, it was pretty cool. The, the rest of them are, I mean, there's some decent fights with the giant uh, golem samurai guy and, and the cave troll on the pirate ship are pretty good, but it honestly lacks, I mean, there, there are a couple of like classic samurai fights, but it kind of lacks some of that like uh you know martial arts movie that you get in a typical genre uh type film there's not a lot of that generic like crouching tiger hidden hidden dragon wire work any of that kind of stuff like it's it's a little light on that it's a little more yeah it's a little more fantasy you know lord of the rings type stuff is that fair t-dubs it doesn't really have a signature action scene which i think is its biggest fault also i kind of wish this was rated r but we'll talk more about that in a second. Fair, uh, I, I do fair. like the raid on Kira's compound. I think there's some really cool stuff in there along with the mm. dragon and, and some of the other stuff. But I like the scene in the Tengu forest where he is confronted with this uh, weird thing that had raised him. And then you get the scene with Oishi basically like, don't draw your sword. And, and the, the, mm. the forest is playing tricks on him. And like he's seeing all his men die. But if he draws his sword, they all really well die. So you're watching like these demons like kill his entire samurai crew, and he has to like he has to like just sit there and take it. I like that scene quite a bit. That was a very interesting, unexplained, but it, it, it's a fun concept. But it's kind of like where did that come from? You yeah, know? again, like C- completely, completely thought up by somebody on the production, which it's a cool element. But yeah, I, I get again, it just uh. Another thing in this movie that's like, okay, it's kind of neat, but what does it mean? Where did it come from? So I think we've covered this, but would this have been better served to tell an accurate story? Yes. And I do think it should have been rated R because samurai dueling is an inherently bloody affair. Totally. Very sharp weapons. uh, And when we get to my recommendation, it's one of the most rad samurai movies and it goes for it. And this movie definitely could have done that. I'm gonna assume that is samurai cop 2 oh well you ruined it <laughs> no okay sorry um and plus you know like uh how are yuki sonata hero hero yuki sonata classically trained in this style of fighting uh the guy is a badass like tons watch... of martial arts movie vets yeah. in this film yeah i mean watch any of his japanese movies watch the last samurai watch logan where he friggin duels hugh jackman Mm-hmm. The guy's friggin' legit, and I, I just think there was a little more you could have done if you decided to just let this be what it is. Yeah, if you make this rated R and make it more grounded, you know, I won't say I, it's gritty street, what do you want to call it? But it's, it's a grounded movie, or the, the story, it's a grounded story. And if you keep it rated R, there's a ton of potential for all sorts of great stuff in it, especially that final raid when the 47 Ronin going yes. there to, uh-huh. to 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 finish the job like you could have made that like fantastically gory and if you wanted to you could, I mean you could have done you could have taken some liberties there to have some fun with it just for the sake of cinema and still kept to the basic roots of the story right 
whether yep. they die in battle yep. or they commit uh, ritual suicide, either way, it would have been rad. Yes, 100%. Um, I think we know why somebody thought making this high fantasy would be a good idea, and that is the uncredited John Peters. <laughs> I'm just saying, do you know what the greatest killer is in the animal kingdom? Polar it's bears. A, it's a it's a forest demon beast. Oh, for, anyway. it's, a, it's a forest. It's a purple spider that dissipates after it administers all its poison, mm-hmm. right out of its thorax. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yep. Reeves versus Cruz, samurai duel. Who wins? Uh, you know, as much as I want to give this to Keanu, uh, Tom Cruise is a wacko and does all his own stunts. So I'm giving it to Tommy Boy. I'm giving it to Reeves because he is actually trained in several martial arts. If you ever see his movie Man of Tai Chi, which he also directed, great uh, martial arts movie. But he trained really hard for this movie. Uh, Sonata was very complimentary of the effort he put in to uh, be, be respectful mm-hmm. to the craft of of the, the sword fighting. So I would pick him 100%. Plus hey, he's also... Right, and the training he's put into the Wick movies is pretty insane as well. Yes, like he's he he goes all in. If you ever watch him do the the uh, shooting range training for John Wick, it's like holy shit, dude! <laughs> like wow. But did he ever jump on Oprah's couch? I'm just saying. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Tom Cruise is a golem of emotions, as in he has none. All he has is Thetans. He's been cleared. He's been cleared cleared. multiple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that brings us to the end of our lingering questions. We're going to hear from our uh, Wobam Entertainment Brothers, the Double Turn podcast. Uh, They've got a uh, katana on a pole match coming up, so hopefully they they do okay, because if you don't get that katana, you're in deep shit. Uh, So Mm. on the other half of the break, We'll just roll with the trivia challenge. We'll see what Chumzilla can get out of this trivia challenge. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to the 171st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Again, we are talking 47 Ronin, and we have the Die with Honor Trivia Challenge. Chumzilla, this is only you. So right. chime in and either stick with one of our stalwarts or say a samurai wears two swords, which is one of my favorite scenes where the samurai who did not want to be saved by Kai because of his uh, heritage gives him the short sword uh, from... I think the guy's name is Basho. He's the, the heavy set guy that I really like, even though they give him no character development whatsoever. <laughs> uh, or now we are 47. You are going to get one of the sweet swords from the Tengu Forest, regardless of whether you get any of these questions right. Sweet. But if I got a good them, feeling about this. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I got a good feeling about this. That's if you I'm get saying. them all wrong, you have to take Lord Kira's head. Hmm. Okay, then, you know, take what you can get. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances. All right, number one in its opening weekend, forty-seven Ronin finished ninth with just nine nine million dollars. It somehow bested three other films opening that weekend. Which of these was not one of them? Talk about a shit okay. weekend at the movies! <laughs> wow. Okay. Is it a the secret life of Walter Mitty? Is it B, Grudge Match? Is it C, August, Osage County? Or is it D, Justin Bieber's Believe? This is really difficult. <laughs> I, I, I am torn between A, because I'm convinced nobody saw that Ben Stiller movie. Did these all open that these weekend? These all open that theaters? weekend. These all open. open. But it's definitely not the Justin Bieber movie. So I'm going with Walter Mitty. Uh hey. That is correct. Walter Mitty made $12.77 million. Uh, Grudge Match made 7.02. August Osage County, 
open in just five theaters, so it made me. Uh, nice. I, what, what is, what is, okay, good. I had no clue what that was. And Justin Bieber's Believe made two million, which I was kind of surprised because I thought he was still popular. I thought I thought that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that's interesting. I guess nobody wow. be- believed believered. Wow. Okay. Would you call it? Uh, mm. So you've got one point. That means you don't have to take Lord Kara's head. That's a win <laughs> in itself. Big relief. Big relief. Uh, so number two, during the editing of the film, Wrench was relieved of his duties. As I said, they were taken over by this Universal executive. Is it A. Richard Donna Stanley? No, no, it's not Richard Stanley. Is it A. Donna Langley? Is it B. Michael Bonner? Is it C. Pete Kramer? Or is it D. Margie Cohn? Uh, I was expecting Peter Berg to be one of the answers here, or or John Peters. I'm just going to go with B for reasons. Incorrect. It is not Michael Bonner. It was Donna Langley, who honestly Dang hadn't it. done many high-level projects at this time, although she did produce Austin Powers. She's now the chairperson of Universal Pictures. Well, there you go. Failing upwards. I like it. What, I was kind of surprised. Like If you release something like this and uh, you just get annihilated financially... Doesn't seem like a recipe for a promotion, but that's just me. Yeah, wow. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to corporate America. Yeah. Number three, to illustrate how awful a year 2013 was for films, apparently, this was mm. nominated for IGN's Best of 2013 in both the 3D and fantasy categories. Oh, my. Which movie did it lose to in the 3D category? Oh, this should be fun. Is it a Pacific Rim? Is it B, The Great Gatsby? Is it C, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug? Or is it D, Gravity? Those are all really... It, it, it should, I mean, I've not seen any of the other movies except for Pacific Rim, so it's got to be Pacific Rim. I had to lose to that because that's the bigger spectacle in 3D. It was Gravity. Really? Yep. Now, I mean, uh, that's pre- those are some pretty subdued effects, but I guess the space stuff, okay, whatever. Yeah. It lost to uh, The Hobbit in Best Fantasy. Fantasy? Movie. Uh-huh. But holy shit, you should have seen those nominees. My God. <laughs> they were not good. Woof. All right. I can't well, believe well, this was nominated for two awards. Well, I mean, 3D is kind of a, a gimmicky thing to begin with. That's why I was going to go with Pacific Rim, because I figured they had the bigger room yeah. for the monsters and the the kaiju mech battles, but whatever. All right. You know, gravity, cool. And who doesn't like uh, 3D George Clooney and, and Sandra Bullock, right? True, yeah. True. Is that Interstellar? Which which one is? No. Interstellar is McConaughey. Oh. Uh, so which one's... Uh, which one's... Uh... Gravity is Bullock. Basically just her, because doesn't Clooney die like right at the start? Yeah, and she like hallucinates him at the end and... Wait, which which is the one with uh, which is the one with what's contact? Is that one too? Oh, that's that, like, that was like mid nineties. Jodie Foster and Jodie Foster. Oddly enough, it's, yeah, again, yeah. See, I get those confused too. Uh, which which is which is the one with Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt, like the Left Behinders or whatever? Oh, Passengers. Mm-hmm. Not, but that's not Anna Ferris. That's uh, yeah, what it, Jennifer Lawrence. Whatever. Yeah, that movie's apparently terrible, but. Uh, number four, if the internet is to be believed, there is a sequel to this movie in active development. It is supposedly coming oh, to Netflix. Oh my God. And it is set 300 years after the events of this movie. So Based- it's not so much a sequel, it's just another movie. <laughs> yeah. Based on its okay. IMDb, it doesn't sound promising. What is its title? Is it A, Blade of the 47 Ronin? If it's not 48 Ronin, I'm going to be pissed. Is it B, the loyal 47 Ronin? Is it C, just the 47 Ronin? Or is it D, Samurai Showdown? I'm going to go A, Blade of the 47 Ronin. That is correct. And apparently it was co-written by CM Punk's wife. I, I feel like that's already been a title used in an adaptation of this story at some point, too. I, the that's loyal 47 Ronin is the 60s movie. Is that the 60s, 50s, 50s movie? The, the blade sounds familiar. Yeah, whatever. Right. Again, I did some uh, cursory research. You got to go. Look all right, it. that's. I'll take that. You got to go look at the cast for this thing. Mark Dacascos is in it. Iron Chef America, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is his best movie, I think. Only the Strong King of the King of like bad B martial arts movies. Yeah, Cradle to the Grave with DMX and Jet Li. 
Mark DeCascos. Oh, wait, yeah. okay. Uh, so Eric Roberts is in it. Cool. He might be. Uh, all right. So hmm. I just found out that he's Julia Roberts' brother. Where the hell have you been? I never knew that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, okay, they, this, they kind of have the same teeth. I guess. Maybe we should recommend the elevator for all our listeners. It's free on oh Tubi. <laughs> You made you made me watch that. I oh, lost brain cells. It's it's a movie. Nothing. It's don't a movie. sell my shoeless Joe Jackson baseball card. Whatever you do, <laughs> listeners, watch it and then report back. Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about cop out now? What's going yeah. on? No, that's his. What was what was the name of the guy? Pasco, Andy yes. Andy Pafco or something. Uh, <laughs> all right, oh, last God. question. The popularity of this legend has persisted in Japan to present day. It was so popular a tale that by 1844, which is about 130 years after it took place, no fewer than this many plays had been written about it. Is it A, 27? Is it B, 37? Is it C, 47? Or is it D, 57? Well, I'm going to go D, 57. It was 47, but yeah. That's, I mean, that's how many times this thing has Damn. been in... in you know, interpret it artistically. So. Yeah, I think it's fun that when, when I was reading about this, that initially it was like politically not acceptable to use the real names of the people involved because there were still like these uh, Japanese like morality clauses in place. Like, so it, it wasn't okay to talk about like real people in, in these fictions, you know, excuse me, quote unquote fictionalized accounts. So they just like fudged all the names a little bit and like changed them just ever so slightly. So everyone still knew what was going on, but well, what they, would... they could get away with the plays. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, talking about this, uh, this not so long ago, real world event. One would think that although they, you know, were able to die with, with their honor by committing seppuku, that their actions would still have brought in shame to their families. Yeah, or it, it was a mixed. It was a mixed bag. Yeah. So, but uh, it was still, it was still, it was still a well-known story, and and you know, eventually that faded up with with time. But even uh, in the more like contemporary retellings, they had to change the names to protect the innocent. But yeah, all right, no, all right. Very well, cool. recommendations. Cool. Uh, what do you have on tap for us this week? By the way, Captain Cash was going to go basic white girl and recommend She-Hulk, so we can just shame him without him being here. Shame. That, that, I, shame. You know what? That show is terrible. Um, it's fun. It's fun, but it's not good. Um, but just real quick here, fun fact. Uh, I finally sat down and forced myself to watch The Human Centipede Part 3. And wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Is that a fun fact? It is because Eric Roberts stars in it as like a senator or some bullshit. He's not one end of the centipede. He's not. Uh, is this a sequel to the elevator? He's a big fan of the centipede, though. He's all in on the centipede. I feel like uh, there's a lot of Republicans that would be down with the human centipede. Yeah, if you watch it, it's a it's a prison movie, effectively, and uh, uh, he's all in on prisoners being human centipedes. But anyway. Uh, uh, my recommendation is another fantastic to be find, um, and uh, yeah, drum roll. Uh, this is a uh, documentary uh, titled "Porn Demic." Came out in 2018, and it's about the HIV outbreak that uh, struck the porn industry in the uh, mid to late 90s, and it was a big deal. It gets shut down porn production. And this is right as like, you know, internet porn was like reaching full stride and there was big money being made. And then all of a sudden there was this HIV outbreak amongst the mainstream uh, actors. And like they they scrambled and, and panicked and had to figure out what was going on because it threatened to completely shut down uh, the industry. And I vaguely remember hearing about this at the time. Uh, of course, it wasn't being covered like in the mainstream media super well. I mean, it was kind of all the coverage just kind of slanted, you know, sled shame and the porn industry. But anyway, this documentary gives a medium depth dive into it and the, the investigation to figure out like where it came from. And it's actually a really interesting story. And uh, I was I was surprised at uh, how compelling this ended up being for just a kind of a throwaway documentary, effectively. So, hey, if you got some time to kill and you're interested in, uh, you know, the mid to late 90s porn industry, check out Porn Demic. 
on Tubi. It's uh, entertaining and interesting. Okay. Um, so my recommendation is a better film about samurais on a suicide mission, and that is 13 Assassins. Uh, it's free basically everywhere. Um, so you can go on Prime right now, and it's there. Uh, it's directed by famed Japanese um, director Takashi Miike, who, if you're familiar, he started off doing like very odd or uh, extreme films and also horror movies like The Audition. He did Ichi the Killer. He directed part of the Three Extremes. And this was like his first foray into samurai cinema. Uh, it, was, it, it seems like it's a little bit inspired by the tale of 47 Ronin because it's about a very evil lord who commits all sort of horrific, uh, egregious crimes against against uh, people of less station than him and then these 13 assassins come together to murder this guy and uh, wh why i brought it up earlier before i told you what it was and why i think 47 ronin could have been a much better movie if he was a hard r and they just grounded in the stories because this movie's incredible and the last 45 minutes is essentially this giant samurai fight in this town uh, bloody is all hell and it cost six million dollars to make this movie and you could never tell that because one it's beautiful the costumes are beautiful of course this is shot in japan which helps but they easily could have done this with 47 ronin and eschewed all that fantasy nonsense that they felt the movie needed which it it just does not so oh sure oh sure yeah um and mike has gone on to direct several other samurai films uh he remade harakiri which is another uh uh it's, it, it's a not a historical story but it was a japanese movie of of huge acclaim in the 40s or 50s and he re remade it and it's really good and he yeah. did blade of the immortal which is also really good and i think those are also free so and i am tokyo gore police he's the man i i like uh, me i'm joking that he did. Oh, i don't know but he he has done a host of very entertaining and watchable movies and audition super crazy movie uh, and, and where and you said this is on tubi right i think it's on tubi it's it, the 13 assassins uh, basically free everywhere so if you like uh, google it it's free yeah i'll just say this because you brought up some of the korean movies uh the week prior uh a couple, couple weeks prior but anyway uh gilgamesh yeah, that guy's he recommended his movies uh beast cop yeah don lee yeah. Donnelly. Yeah. So a bunch of, there's a bunch of Korean and Japanese cinema on Tubi. And these movies are pretty freaking wild. Yeah. They're definitely worth checking out. Uh, just in just in general, because most of the stuff that gets on there is only stuff that's like good. It's it's, stuff yeah, it's like a popular movies. Like uh yeah. one of Don Lee's really, really well reviewed movies. I think it's called The Gangster, the Cop, and the Devil. That's for free on Tubi. And that's awesome as well. Yeah. So because thanks to to our buddies, uh that are uh, you know half of uh, Hot Nation uh, does a, a horror movie podcast and and they've mentioned some of these Japanese and, and these uh, Korean uh, you know films and some of some of them are, are dubbed some of them are subbed uh, but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff on there there really is a lot of good cinema coming out of those areas uh, whether just straight up samurai stuff or just like you know wacky weird horror stuff with great great practical effects and cool stuff. Watch 13 Assassins. If you don't like subtitles, I apologize. A little hard to follow in the beginning, but you'll get the gist of it. And visually, it's it's a masterwork and nice. some really badass samurai shit in that movie. Cool, man. Uh, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, who has dishonored himself by not appearing tonight, can be found at, at CAPTCASH on most social media. Chumzilla can be found at Chumzilla8 on Twitter, and McCheese can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. Be sure to check out Wabam Entertainment at wabamentertainment.com or on Twitter and Instagram at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. In the end, listeners, remember one thing. A samurai does not take credit for victories of others and for all this movie's faults there are some very good quotes in here you can tell there's some remnants of whatever the 
blacklisted version of this script was like such as the <laughs> intro which is like a, a really cool moment uh, hmm. we'll see you next week for the final installment of hops and star powered flops which is death to smoochie which we were going to do this week but captain cash is too slow on the draw and i wanted to talk about samurais is death to smoochie basically edward norton's villain origin story uh it might be 